Hello, is uh, this Kristen? This is Kristen. All right, so we have Kristen Bowling from Empower Portland on the air. Um, Kristen, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them about the work um, Empower Portland does. Sure thing. Uh, my name is Kristen Bowling, and I'm one of the family, founding members of Empower Portland. Um, we convened back um, in October of 2016 after the events at um, City Hall where police literally threw people out of the building while the new contract was being negotiated. And um, in addition to that, one of the things that concerned uh, those of us that got together to form this group the most was the, the lack of medical response by the Fort Portland Fire Department. Um, so we were we, we spent about um, six months meeting um, on and off with uh, officials at the fire department to try to remedy um, the situation with uh, their their lack of appropriate response to those hurt um, by police, and uh, ended up with some what we're calling riot EMTs, <laughs> those uh, the, the Portland fire medics that are now riding along with uh, rapid response teams with cops looking just like cops. So um, not a very not a very good resolution to that particular issue. Um, we're still working on, but but really uh, what it brought up to us, I think, is is the um, the deep-seated problem of police overreach with uh, many of the other agencies and bureaus um, in this town. So um, we're continuing to dig into some of those accountability issues to try to get some some resolution along with our fellow activists. Excellent. So um, I have you on the show today because uh, there's been some great some news this week. Um, uh, obviously, yesterday, uh, Danielle Outlaw um, with the uh, Oakland Police Department was announced as the um, next Portland police chief. Um, what yep. was your reaction to that news? Well, it's certainly nice to see that uh, a female of color is the next in the job, someone from outside the town. Those are certainly um, things that we ask for um, in the process. Of course, the process itself uh, was very disappointing. Um, we stood by many other activists in pushing the city to uh, make that uh, community input process more inclusive. Um, and we're really disappointed with with the way that that happened. Um, we definitely applaud uh, Portland's resistance for for pushing for some of the uh, the details about that process um, as as recently happened. But uh, you know, um, in in that report, it, there was an overwhelmingly white response, right, um, from folks that commented, um, which really says a lot about the way that the process went down. Um, so definitely um, concerned about the way that this um, that this mayor's administration continues to administer things um, in secrecy and only reveal information once pushed by activists. Um, definitely the uh, like I said, it's it's nice to see that there's an outsider and a person of color and a female. Um, I think in terms of uh, race relations um, and how she might approach that. Um, it's definitely our place as white activists to follow the lead of, of what the black activist community says. And, and certainly there's been some, some mixed responses, um, some cautious optimism from um, AMA and Joanne Hardesty, definitely a little more pessimism from folks like Teresa Rayford. So um, definitely going to have to wait and see. It's, it's so new and information about her is just coming out. Um, although... Definitely, we've we've seen that um, some history about um, crowd control in Oakland during um, 
during Miss Outlaw's tenure there, things that are a little bit concerning. So it's going to be real interesting to see uh, what approach um, she takes um, to those issues that concern us the most, the way that, that police act at protests, um, and very, very interesting to see how she handles being the boss of someone like Mark Kruger for sure. <laughs> right. So would you say that um, would you say that the uh, activist community is actually pretty um, um, excited about the departure of uh, Marshman from the Portland Police Bureau? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Something that's been pushed from from many quarters for for um since since he was was uh, appointed in there so that's that's a great thing to see i think it's really telling that he uh he retired immediately um so you know he could have kept his job for two more months so uh that's that's pretty telling about him being shown a door and we're certainly happy that um that at the least um wheeler decided to make that call um, so last week you testified before portland city council that the city was engaged in a campaign of terror against Portland activists. Can you tell me what your reaction was to learning that on June 4th, the Portland Police Bureau was involved in a large-scale federal law enforcement operation dubbed Operation Columbia Crest? Yeah, that is very, very concerning, certainly, and that's part of um, my the, the details and events that were behind um, the conclusions that I presented to them in my testimony. Certainly a three-minute testimony gives very little room to uh, give, detail, give supporting details. But yeah, um, the collusion with uh, federal law enforcement, we just learned also um, through David Hardesty um, at Hard Space that um, the, in the August 2nd City Council, um, meeting uh, when they were talking about the PCCEP, um, that the reason that the balcony was closed and the four plainclothes agents that were guarding the door were part of the Joint Terrorism Task Force. So um, certainly part of what I was, um, the point that I was making about the campaign of terror is the the very overt violence that happens against activism or against activists in the street, but I think um, just as concerning is we're now seeing that there is this um, this federal collusion behind the scenes um, that they're actually calling apparently calling us the terrorists in in the name of the folks that they're that they're now bringing out to police us at City Hall. So. You know, going from October 12th being thrown out of the building um, and pepper sprayed in the face in, in our place of public business to being quietly excluded um, by a group of folks that label us as terrorists, um, both are equally concerning. <laughs> Obviously, one causing more short-term damage, but um, what's happening behind the scenes there is, def is an enormous cause for concern, um, just as... Um, Portland Police's apparently ongoing collusion with the white supremacist right-wing militia. Um, you know, we saw on June 4th, everyone saw those those photos of an Oath Keeper, um, I believe it was, assisting um, law enforcement with arresting a left-wing protester. And there's now folks that have observed um, large numbers of police meeting with the Proud Boys um, on Sunday before their rally. So, you know, where where are these folks getting their industrial-sized cans of bear mace that they used on us on Sunday? Are they are they coming directly from their friends in the police force? <laughs> um, we're certainly starting to ask those kinds of questions. So, 
again, like Sunday, not a very direct um, police intervention, as we saw on June 4th against left protesters. However, we can now see and find out afterwards that there's collusion going on behind the scenes, right? Um, in terms of in terms of medical response, um, apparently, well, it wasn't signed, but there was a press release from uh, the police department, and we know Chris Burley is the new PIO. Um, I would I would approach calling it outright lies about the medical response that they had established a medical treatment area, et cetera, um, for folks. Um, definitely not something that we saw. Um, treating black black protesters that were injured by right wing white white supremacists. Um, so if if there was a plan for medical response, they only shared it with the right. Um, so that's that's certainly a uh, a point of concern and overlap, right? In in the um, the areas that we're interested in um, having accountability and protection for folks addressing their government and addressing threats to our community. So if the police continue to only uh, protect one side, um, whether overtly or behind the scenes. That's that's a very big um, point of concern. So it'll be interesting to see how our how our new chief um, addresses all of these different levels of things. So on on the topic of the the new incoming chief uh, Danielle Outlaw, um, what kind of goals would Empower Portland like to see um, for the first ninety days that the the chief is in office in terms of uh, um, police reform. I think that I would um, look to some of the follow-up um, action items that I sent to City Council in my testimony um, last week. I think there needs to be a lot more questions asked about what's happening during um, crowd control incidents. Um, you know, we had that that letter exchange between Wheeler and Marshman about uh, what happened on June 4th, which is pretty pretty outrageous that those kinds of questions don't have the answers already known to them so uh you know we've done some we've done some research on the the uh, very um le- very big lack of training that some of the incident commanders have um so we would really like to see that chief dig in to crowd control um and and ask the tough questions about why the decisions are being made the way they are um, and certainly why correct information is not being released after the fact. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and inherent in that issue really is um, why there is no explicit de-escalation training in this town. There really is not. Um, so training manager Bob Day um, should be having some very long meetings with her. Um, certainly we'd like to see... Uh, some sort of accountability um, for the uh, repeat offender officers, if you will. You know, the Leo Besners of the Portland Police Bureau that repeatedly assault um, cop watchers and get away with it, myself included. Um, the the, uh, the Krugers of the force that have actually had their, their Nazi record um, scrubbed, apparently, from, from their records. So um, these folks that have been identified by activists for years and are still there. Um, it's time for somebody to sh- um, internally to be shining a light on them. So those, those um, use of force and crowd control practices, I would say, and um, I don't want to call them bad apples because I believe that just, we have some systemic problems, but certainly the, the rottenest apples deserve to have some light shine on them. Um, 
We're also getting a lot more concerned about the role of um, DA Underhill, and of course that's not someone who's under the, uh, the jurisdiction of, of the new police chief. But um, he seems to be playing an increasing role in working in secret, um, you know, designing the PCCP behind the scenes, um, killing the 48-hour rule since March, and apparently just telling us about it. Um, you know, that means that Terrell Johnson's killer um, had many weeks to get his testimony all planned out, and, and no one knew that. Um, so that's, that's just really a slap in the face to accountability. Um, and, the, you know, a quarter million dollars uh, bail on a misdemeanor for a cop watcher um, when he was involved personally um, in that case. It's just, there's, um, it's pretty unexcusable at this point. So we'd like to see a lot more scrutiny, um, again, even though that's, that won't be her direct report of the way that the DA is overstepping his boundaries in this town. Awesome. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our uh, listeners? Um, follow Empower Portland online. We're, we're young and small, but we're great researchers, and we love to um, connect folks for all kinds of different sorts of purposes for accountability, not only with police, but in, you know, the rights of all of us to address our city government with our grievances and be able to do so in a way that's safe and that's fair and that won't result in us being surveilled and targeted. So, um, yeah, let's, let's get this done together. All right. Thanks, guys. And so this is uh, Kristen Bowling with uh, Empower Portland. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Ben.